Hello and welcome to our podcast named Detours. This podcast embraces the unexpected twists and turns that shapes the journeys of our lives that God sends us down. I'm your host and fellow traveler, Mike. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Deb, and we invite you to join us on this exploration of uncharted territories we encounter along the way. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. episode of Detours. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike. I am here with my beautiful wife, Deborah. Hi, guys. And we are having an amazing season here. Thank you guys so much for making it all the way through to episode number seven. So the premise of this show is uh, basically talking through all these detours that God sends us down in life. You know, whenever somebody goes and interviews for a job, they say, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And your answer is always pretty linear in the thought process. Well, I'm going to be, you know, promoted. I'm going to have a team working for me, going to be married, whatever it might be. And the reality is God oftentimes has other ideas uh, in certain areas of uh, your life. And so... Deb, our last episode, we talked a lot about singleness. Yes. We both had a season of singleness for a long time. Yeah, it uh, definitely was a long season, seven years for both of us. You were leaving a marriage, uh, and I simultaneously, ironically enough, uh, I was leaving a relationship with someone that I thought I was going to get married to. So definitely not the same as someone you've been married to, uh, but still something that, that, you know, definitely hurt and definitely uh, felt like a detour for sure. Yeah. And so we both enter into this long season of singleness and you did some healing. You read us a letter that you had written to your ex-husband and we talked through grieving and so on and so forth. So all of this is happening. Mm -hmm. And... You decide roughly six years into singleness that you want to, and I believe we've even talked about the, this class. Yes. Uh, it was about a 30-week class, you said, called Life Skills. Family Life Skills International. Family Life Skills International, okay. Yeah, and I had I had a mentor that kind of prompted me, like, hey, I, I love meeting with you, but I, I think you need more help than I can give you. And so... I knew someone else had had taken this program and had really thought it was valuable. So I was like, well, I'm at the point where something's got to give. And so so you decided to take this class. I did. And this was, like I said, roughly 30 weeks long. 30 long weeks of challenging work. Yes. (laughs) Eight months or so, eight plus months. Yep. And so shortly thereafter, you decided to take a course called Trees of Hope. Yes, their curriculum uh, is known as Shelter from the Storm, and it's for women 18 or older that um, have suffered from sexual abuse and need to have a group of people they can cope with healing. It, it's a healing group. And and how long were you in that? Uh, that was another 13 weeks, the first round. Okay, so you've done... 
43 plus weeks of healing more or less. Yes. Of digging up all the pain and all the grief and laying it at the foot of Jesus. It's, it was wonderful and exhausting. And you know, by that time you think, wow, I'm, I'm good, God. I'm, I'm so improved. Look what you've done in my life. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm ready to date again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So before we even get into that, though, the the so the next two episodes for the audience, we're we're actually going to tell our story of all the detours that God sent each one of us down to find one another and be in a healthy relationship, and it's it's quite the story. Uh, hence, why we're going to do it over two episodes. So the yeah. the most interesting part. Right, not even the most interesting, that's not true. But the very beginning of the story mm-hmm. begins before dating enters the brain. You and I both attend Calvary, or at the time attended Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Yep. Uh, we've since moved, so we don't get to attend there. But um, you and I, the, I guess Calvary Fort Lauderdale is a mega church. Uh, and they have a a class that's designed to plug people in because there there's so many different ministries, there's so many different ways to serve or get help, uh, or different classes that you can take. That they have this class at the time was called Connect Experience, and it was a four week class. Yeah, and I was a table host, so I was serving, and you came in. I come into the church and I see, like usual, in the Christian church, a bunch of women. (laughs) It's always a bunch of women. And there's all these 10 top tables and women are already starting to form circles in these tables and um, get to know each other. And I see this one random table and it's just you. And like every single girl in church, you know, you look for the ring. Is there a ring? I didn't see a ring. You were nice looking. I wasn't looking to meet you, to date you, but I figured why would I put myself in a position to sit with a bunch of women once again? Let me just go over there. And so um, I walked over to your table and I said, hi, I'm Deb. And you're like, hi, I'm Mike. And I sat down and, um, you know, many people joined us. You know, an additional nine people showed up at that table. And I don't think either one of us had any inclination we would ever meet again. But, you know, you asked everybody, well, how do you serve and how are you connected? And basically your role was to help people uh, connect in this large church. And if you could put them in a ministry opportunity, that was what you were going to do. And you took everyone's number at the end of the class. And I remember giving you my phone number. I never thought of anything. No, me neither. Like you said, I I wasn't there to... Meet people. Pick up chicks. No. <laughs> I wasn't either. I'm just an opportunist. I saw a nice looking guy that didn't have a ring on. I didn't want to sit with a bunch of women because that's pretty the pretty much what church functions look like most of the time. So, so yeah. So, we actually got to, to know one another uh, through this Connect experience. Uh, and after Connect experience was over, we just parted ways and yep. business as usual. Yep. So, then... We have this opportunity to uh, do life outside of each other. I wind up taking this, um, I'm changing careers from fitness to fire inspector. Yeah, that, 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 you're, you're way fast no, no, forwarding. No. Oh, yes, because you got, you got to talk about the sale. What sale? The, the online sale. Well, that's what I'm getting to. Don't rush me. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. Okay, all right. So, you know, you're studying, you have your phone, and um, I was... 
reading notes on my phone and I get a notification because I had long time signed up for eHarmony and then Match and this one and that one. And I guess I still had, I was still on their mailing list. And you know what? Satan knows our temptations. So what happens? I get this notification, 50% off. You love a good deal. I do. I am such a sucker for a sale. And I say, God, look, it's 50% off. I think I'm ready. I want to do this. And what was, so you're telling God you're ready to date. Yes. Why not? It it, it it wouldn't be a total loss. It as wouldn't your be family a total loss. Says. Right. It's 50% off. How bad could this be? Right. I'm ready. I did, you know, all this you healing. You did 43 weeks of healing. Right. I, you deserve to treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah, okay. Okay, so I decide to sign up. Well, well and God says, no, you're not ready. Oh, so you had a conversation oh, yeah. with God about it. Is this like... Can you see you... the pattern? I'm somewhat disobedient at first. I, I don't like to admit that, but as I tell these stories out loud to other people, I'm like, wow, I really have a pattern of not listening the first time. So he did. He said, you're not ready. No, so Deborah. God tells you this before or after you fork over the the the, the oh, money. before. He, oh, he tells you this before, and what do you tell God? No, you're wrong. I'm ready. Oh my gosh! I <laughs> hate when when it sounds like that, but yes, I basically was like, "But Dad, it's fifty percent off. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready, Dad. I'm just gonna do it." Okay, so you completely disobey. Yes, I do. Wow! And so you sign up. I sign up, and there's nothing but a bunch of like, oh gosh, the usual, I'm a people person, and just these lame profiles of people who just have nothing but like- Family's important to me. I love to travel, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yes. I know. Yes. I read so many of those. Yes. And I was not on a Christian site because I found those to not be very- forthcoming personally i found that people said they were christian and they weren't so this at least to me had some good prompting questions and an opportunity to weed out some people who were just totally not going to be the right fit and i'm reading through profile after profile and i come across yours not knowing that it's me and and let me i don't even even recognize you yeah and and so my side of the story is (laughs) When I became newly single, I, I don't remember how long of a period of time it was, but I, when I had been single for a little while, I created a match account and was on there for a little while, didn't really do much with it, and I let everything kind of expire. Hmm. So fast forward five, six years. That account was for... Oh, yeah. Five years prior? Yeah. It, it was an old, old account. And, wow. And so um, all of a sudden, so it, it's connected, right? It's all, every, everything's connected to your email address. So fast forward five or six years later, and all of a sudden I start getting all these messages that people were emailing me. Women were emailing me. And I go, well, I, I thought I had like hidden my profile and basically shut everything down. And it had been silent for all this time. I'm like, what the heck just happened? Mm-hmm. So I go to log into my account and I'm doing, you know, click here, forgot your password and it's supposed okay. to email you, you know, all that and nothing's working. Well, come to find out someone had actually hacked into my old account. 
Wow. My credit card was still attached to it. They reactivated my subscription and changed my password and started emailing all these, let's just say, senior citizens. <laughs> so I, 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 I call up Match and I, I said, you know, hey, somebody has hacked my account. Can you please help me get this back? And so they do, but they left my subscription open. They went ahead and refunded me the money. They got me logged back in, so on and so forth, but they left the account active. Lucky uh, for me. Y lucky for you. So <laughs> that's when you found my profile. Yes, and it um, was uniquely different than anybody else's. And you asked questions to the person reading where everyone else was so self-absorbed i'm giving you my checklist of who i am and you were uniquely different in two ways you immediately stated you were a christian you weren't going to compromise on your faith and i was like "Ooh, that's a good sign nobody is saying that and you spent time pulling out like questions that you probably were going to use to process whether this person was the right fit. So I thought it was very well put together. So I answered a few questions. And I think the first thing I said was, I'm a Christian too. And I'm, you know. But ironically enough, I, both of us had heard that before. Right. Just, you know, that, that's what's so difficult is so many people in this country identify as Christian, mm -hmm. but it's Christian on Sunday between nine and noon. Right. The minute they leave church, you know, they, 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 who knows what they're going to do. And, and, and sadly, that had been the case for me, which is why I had let the account just kind of, yeah. know, you know, fade off uh, is, is I didn't have any luck finding anyone that was Christian on there. Uh, but I think what's really important is neither one of us were willing to compromise. That mm -hmm. That's what we see you know, you, you and I met, we, we basically got married at 40. Um, and, and that's, I, I think well, that played, you got married at 40. I'm older than you by quite a bit. You are. Yes, you are. Not I, quite I was a bit. trying to be gentle. I know. I appreciate I that. Yeah. I wasn't even going to mention it, but, uh, my point was, I think because we got married later in life, we were willing to stick to our guns. We had, I, I personally had been there, done that, and oh. been in relationships that weren't, you know, they claim they were Christian. It was very easy to spot mm -hmm. uh, it, before, so, uh, many times before the appetizer hit, I knew, uh, okay, let's just have a nice conversation and then this will be the end of it. And w was that the same for you? Oh, well, I had been there, done that, got the t-shirt and a lot of the people uh, put up a really good front. And then as soon as you ask them, like, even something as simple as like what verse really resonates with you? What's your life verse in the Bible? They look at you with a blank stare and you're like, okay, here yeah. we go. Yeah. Yep. And so, uh, so yeah, so we start messaging back and forth mm -hmm. and we don't even realize it, you didn't recognize me. I didn't recognize you. Nothing. Right. Um, at the time I was working, I was working at a company called Accenture and I had Disney as a client so I was flying out to Pasadena to work at Shop Disney almost on a weekly basis. So at the very beginning, we were kind of emailing back and forth, we getting to know. We emailed for almost five weeks before we ever even got on the phone, which I think is a really interesting way to get to know somebody because it put, you have to put forth effort to do this. You know, it's not 
as easy as, you know, picking up a phone and saying, hey, let's go out for coffee and let's, it gives a buffer. And for me, I needed a buffer because everyone I was meeting was just a flake. So yeah, it worked for us. You, you certainly by no means need to do, no, th- no. that's not a requirement, but it seemed to work for us. Um, so we emailed back and forth, but eventually you gave me your phone number and I go to put your phone number in my phone and you're already a contact. So crazy. It was, you're already a contact. And so my brain did not go anywhere at church. My brain went to, did I meet this person uh, at the Chamber of Commerce at a networking event? Uh, it went all over the place, mm. but it did not go to church until I go into the text message thread for the phone number. Mm-hmm. And I go, I, I realize, oh, this is my text message thread for Connect Experience for all the people that I would send a Connect Experience. <laughs> so, and I think that may have helped the fact that you knew me and you knew I was at church and I was volunteering before we ever met. Yeah. Probably helped you, did it not? Because you you knew that that's probably a little bit more than someone that's just saying they're a Christian. Hey, I actually saw this guy at church and he was serving. Yes, I think because you didn't attempt to flirt with me, because there's a lot of guys at church that um, volunteer and do a lot of great things for the Lord, but they're also very cardinal, like they... Wolves in sheep's clothing. And the fact that our interaction that we actually had was very respectful and there wasn't a, even an inkling of flirting or that you were looking at me like an object. Yeah, that did help. So that, that leads to eventually some conversations. Uh, but eventually we just meet at a coffee shop at church. Mm-hmm. That was kind of our, our initial introduction uh, and everything goes well. You know, we, we had great conversation. Did. You were a super cheap date. You, you walked up and the line was so long at the coffee shop. You said, well, forget this. I know. And, you and didn't even have to buy me a cup of coffee. Nothing. Uh, not a dime on date number one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got off easy. You did. So, so that goes well. Mm-hmm. And so we go out for date number two. And you're on time, which I was like, finally. Someone's going to be there when they sit. You were early. And I was like, ooh, that is so good. <laughs> that, yes, that, that I did earn brownie points for that. You and certainly did. We, uh, we had a good time. You know, we went out for, for dinner and uh, just a, a nice evening kind of, kind of down by the beach there in Fort Lauderdale and, mm-hmm. and just really had a good time. So we end up, we end up dating. We end up in a relationship. Yep. So. You had mentioned earlier that you had gone through Trees of Hope, and that is a sexual abuse class. Right. Went through the curriculum, uh, Shelter from the Storm. Mm-hmm. You thought that was behind you. Is that right? Is that fair to say? It's not completely fair to say because it was so fresh that I was coming off the heels of taking that class. Um, and I felt like there was some, I did some good quality work. So I didn't know if it was behind me, but I knew that I had dug into stuff that was 30 years in my past and that God had really walked me through that with his gentleness and his compassion. And so I felt like I, you know, not maybe not behind me, but I felt strong. I felt like I, you know, like I said to God, I'm ready, you know. Um, And I initially wanted to make sure you knew 
that I was going to take this class again. Um, and that I didn't want to hide that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to cloud it in shame. I wanted to be honest about it. And so you were, yeah, you were I, informed. Yeah, I, I was informed. It was certainly a situation where I, I, I didn't know what it meant exactly mm-hmm. for you to go through a, a course on such a sensitive and personal subject. I certainly didn't understand how to navigate those waters. Um, but we, we had been in a relationship. I, I don't remember at this point, but let, let's just say it was three months. Everything's going well. Yeah. We went and we served down in the Keys together. A hurricane hit the Keys and we went down with Calvary and Samaritan's Purse and helped people down there uh, rebuild their homes and all sorts of things. We went, we were going to Bible study together. Yeah. Uh, we were, we, we were doing it by the books. Uh, we really were. We were enjoying one another's company, going to church together, the whole nine yards, everything's going well. And then Trees of Hope comes around and you're doing it. You begin doing it a second time. Yes. And that is a, such a sensitive subject. What, what begins to what begins to happen to you as we're dating and you're going through this class a second time what 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 mentally begins to change for you i think that um the first course was done and it was challenging and hard but there was no application to what it would be like to date anybody. Um, so the level of trust when you've been so deeply scarred, um, you have really big walls up, you know, you can pretend that everything is okay. And I did a lot of pretending in my life that I was strong. And in actuality, I saw myself as I'm not going to get hurt by another man. I'm not going to get hurt. And um, I was constantly looking for red flags. And I was trying to work this curriculum to trust God. Um, And I, I was having a hard time trusting myself or anybody else for that matter. So just God saying I wasn't ready. I needed to work that curriculum another time to just trust God. And the, the irony with that statement is at the same time you begin going into Trees of Hope, mm-hmm. we we were attending, I think it was Monday night at the time. Yes. Bill's Bible. So one of the pastors at our church was teaching a Monday night Bible study in his church, in, or excuse me, in his home. Yep. Uh, and and we you had known him for years. years uh, and I had just come to know him through you, right, mm-hmm. going to his Bible study, but you make the recommendation um, that I should, you know, ask Pastor Bill to kind of be my my mentor, and I go, you know what, that's a pretty good idea, and so I, I reach out to Pastor Bill and, and ask him if, you know, he, he's willing to work with me and, and just mentor me in my Christian walk, and, and the, I, I always remember the very first time I sat with Bill, he said, Mike, what do you, what do you want to get out of our time together, and I said, well, I Bill, I'm really an empty cup and I'm here to be filled, but I will tell you to my core, I don't believe God is good. Mm. I don't trust him that he's good. 
and I know that's a problem. Yeah. But I don't know how to fix it. And I and the reason I said that was, and we're gonna do in season two, we're gonna do the death of my brother as the main uh, theme and detour of season number two. But I had a brother that passed away. Uh, like I said, I, I had been in a relationship with someone that I thought was going to be my wife. She ends up leaving. I lost a job, all sorts of things. And I, I told Bill, I said, God has taken so much from me, but everybody walks around raising their hands and singing songs about how good God is. And I feel like I've never experienced his goodness. And it's one of those things, everybody's saying it, and I kind of walk around and I parrot that. I will say it, but I'll tell you, I, I, I have really have a hard time believing that God is good. And, I, I, and I'm willing to admit that that's a problem. The fact that you were willing to actually vocalize what a lot of people stuff down, and even a lot of people shame themselves, I shouldn't feel that way. And yeah, in reality, when you learn the character of God, you won't feel that way. But if you don't dialogue that out with somebody that you trust, that knows the word, that can walk you through that, you don't ever really, you don't ever get to process that in life. And I think that's a really a testimony to your desire to know God and the desire to want to do this walk well. I think that's what it models to me. When you know, like I said, season two, we're dedicating and, and going through the story of my brother's passing. That That's definitely the narrative that we're going to walk through. But it's also with a, an underlying theme of, in apologetics, the, the most common asked question is, if God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? And in season two, we're, we're actually flying my dad from Chicago to Fort Lauderdale are uh, actually here to to the Cape to to come talk to us about the passing of my brother. And we're going to look at that question through the lens uh, of of a parent that loses a child. If if God is so good, why did something bad happen? My brother died at nine months old. He was born with a heart condition, um, and it, it's it's a legitimate question. It I, I was struggling with it. Tons of atheists, tons of people that are just curious will right. ask that question. If God is so good, if he loves me, why why does all this bad stuff happen? And I, I was no different. I was struggling with that. But I, but I knew God and I believed in him. But there was, I, I just kept tripping over this question. Okay. Um, and, and I think that's interesting because you have to stop and address those questions sometimes. At Calvary Chapel, I absolutely believe the way to study the Bible is verse by verse. However, there is, if, if you don't pause and answer those questions, you can know Daniel in the lion's den. You can know Jonah and the whale. You can know Moses. You can know the Gospels. You can know all of these things, but there can be that seed of doubt in the back of your brain going, but I can't quite get past this. And it really can cause some problems. And so I was at that point going, I, I get all this. I get. We I were get, both dealing with trust yeah, issues. I, I, I get what everyone's saying here at church, but I got this trust issue with God. And, and if, if everybody else is right and I'm wrong, then 
I got to fix this. And Bill, I don't know how to fix this because I don't trust him. Okay. So then you begin taking, so this is all happening almost simultaneously. I don't remember exact timing of it. Right. And I have no idea what you're talking with Bill about. Right. Yep. The fact that it mirrors my story is, you know. Pretty incredible. It is. So I'm having trust issues with God. You're having all sorts of trust issues on, on all sorts of fronts. Yes. And you begin to take trees of hope for a second time. Yes. While we've been dating, let's say couple, three months, yeah, four a couple months, months, something like that. And everything had been going smoothly. Um, so what begins to change for you? Do you it, by taking the class again, is it the uprooting of all of this stuff again? But this time having a man in your life, like what was the difference between taking it the first time and the second time? Possibly that could have been the issue is everything is now being uprooted. And now I have a man in my life, which when I took the course, you know, months prior, there was there was no man. (laughs) Um, I was on high alert for ways that you were going to hurt me. As a matter of fact, I did everything I could to push you away and you just, you wouldn't go, which. Oh, I, I remember that. Oh yeah. You, you threw up walls. Constantly. And I'm like, this if guy. If you only worked for Nehemiah, my goodness. <laughs> That's so funny. I was, I, and I'm like this, I can't shake this guy. Like I didn't ever experience a person that genuinely liked me, knew I wasn't going to sleep with them before marriage. I mean, that was a big thing. So it wasn't about. It was, there were, you were a man that didn't sexualize me and you liked me for me, not for what I could give you. And it was just, it was jarring. It was like, I don't know, how is this even possible? And, you know, I saw some things at that time that were concerning to me. I definitely thought there were areas where you needed to work too in your own life. And I was like, well, I don't know what that's going to look like if we're together. And so I got, I got really scared. And then I remember the day you told me you loved me and I winced. I really literally winced. I drew my shoulders in, I dropped my head and I winced like you punched me. And I thought, wow, that is not a healthy, normal reaction. Someone just told me they loved me and I winced. And you were so gracious about it. You didn't push and you didn't say, oh, you winced or don't you love me back? You were so gracious about it. Um, And you were so strong. Like it didn't even phase you that I didn't say it back. It was just like, who is this guy? Um, And I went home that day and I'm like, I don't know. How does this man love me? And how am I, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. And, um... I felt like what God had said before was, you're not ready. And that wincing kind of was like, oh, yeah, that's probably not a good thing. Maybe I'm not ready. Gee, God's right again. Yeah. So come to find out, neither one of us were ready for the other. Right. Uh, and, and at the time that we started dating, I I don't know how long I had been a Christian, but you were definitely a more seasoned Christian. Oh, I You'd was. You been saved 10 plus years in. Yeah, where I, where I were... wasn't. I, I was a handful of years in, so you were definitely more spiritually mature uh, than I was, which is probably some of the red flags yes. that you were seeing. Yes, um, Not seeing quite the maturity in the spiritual life. It definitely, you could see effort there, and I definitely was making it, but I, I was not prepared to lead a household right. by any means, not spiritually. Um, 
so long story short, <laughs> you you, you kind of reach your breaking point and I do. you make the worst decision of your life and you decide to leave me. Is this the worst decision? Oh, this was the no, worst. No, because that detour grew both of us. You're welcome. Oh my gosh. You're welcome. The, your timing was amazing. It was the week of Valentine's oh Day. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. It was, the, it was the week of Valentine's Day, and I had bought these. You, you love the the TV show Seinfeld, yes. And I had purchased tickets. Jerry Seinfeld was coming to the Hard Rock Casino, uh, Hard Rock, yeah, mm. Hard Rock Casino, and doing a stand up show. And I spent all this money on all these tickets, and you break up with me, and I have these tickets, and they go to waste. I'm sorry. I thought it would be wrong to go to this thing with you, knowing that I was going to break up with you. And I felt like I was going to be a user if I did that. Oh, my gosh. I Why, still, I should have just went? I think you should pay me back for the tickets. You've been paid back. I've, I've been paid back? Yeah, my debt's settled. Thank you. Okay, okay. <laughs> but you know, all, all jokes aside, so you, you, you do. You end up leaving um, the, the week of, thank, excuse me, the week of Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Uh, and you continue on to to go through trees of hope, right? Um, so what what happens? What's your mentality? What 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 well, was the breaking point? Was there one thing you could point back to? Was it a bunch of things? What was your breaking point? What what caused that? To to walk? Yeah, to walk away from again, make the worst decision to, of your from life from the best guy ever. Of course. Well, I, I mean, gotta know. It, I think you might know this. I mean, it's not a secret that at times you, you know, you could be a little critical. And I saw some, I saw some critical, like a critical spirit. It wasn't directed towards me, but when you grow up under criticism constantly, it's like, oh God, I don't know if, if that's going to be applicable towards me, if I could brace myself for that pain. Um, and so that was part of it. Um, I just was frightened. I was frightened of how good you were to me, but I was also frightened at, you know, the th being critical. And, um, I didn't know if that was going to work because I had just, I've suffered a lot and I needed someone in my mind, and I still do. I think I say this to you all the time. I be tender. I need. I needed someone tender, and I was so raw from these classes. I was already raw. And, and let me tell you, when you're with your family, your Italian family having dinner, and you guys are screaming and hooting and hollering at one another, screaming. Wait, to you, it's screaming. To me, this is just this is just our voice. Like you grew up in a very quiet, white suburban Chicago family. And I grew up in a loud Italian dysfunctional family. Like this was our norm. So, so for that woman to need tenderness, it yes. was mind boggling to me. Yes. I was like this woman that was just screaming. It was, stop saying earlier, screaming. You were screaming. We are just loud people. You just talk this way, I, communicating with we your all mother. all are loud. Oh my goodness. But to think that that woman that I see on Sundays with her family. Yes, and this is part of the this is part of the front that happens when you stuff down vulnerable emotions. Like you have to have some pseudo personality to survive and the tough girl was always the pseudo personality. And for those of you who have may been 
you know, sexually abused or dealt with trauma, you know, I want to encourage you to not stay in that, that persona because I really feel like I lived a lie for a long time. I lived a lie that I was tough and capable and nobody's going to hurt me. And really all I did was put up a wall and push everybody away. I, I didn't get the opportunity to see people for who they were because I was already the brick wall that you weren't going to touch. So, and so, so you get frightened. I get frightened and you run off. I do. So I'm completely perplexed because I'm, I'm sitting there going, what just happened? This, this kind of, to me, it came out of nowhere. It might've been boiling under the surface for a while for you, Mm -hmm. but for me, it came out of nowhere uh, didn't, I didn't really get much of an explanation from you a little bit, but mm-hmm. not really much of an explanation. So immediately I go to God and I go, you see, <laughs> oh no, you see what I'm talking about where I don't trust you. I was with a woman that loved you. We were serving together. We were going to church together. We were going to Bible study together. We were being authentic. And where did it get me? Back in the doghouse, staring at Jerry Seinfeld tickets, knowing that those seats are empty. I wish you would have just went. Uh, I know, I know, but it, it happened for a reason, right? It did. That's what that's what you're supposed to say. Is it happened for a reason? But you know what? It did. It really did. It was a great detour for both of us. Yeah. So I start fasting and praying at that point. This is where things really kind of start to get interesting even more so than what they have been already. <laughs> they, they, it really gets interesting because you kind of hightail it out pretty quick. Yes. There's not really phone calls back and forth, no text messaging. It was really just, I'm out of here. Uh, see you later, alligator. Well, when a woman is done, or yeah. at least when I was done, I was done. When you shut the door, you, yeah. you slam it and bolt lock it and everything Yeah, I don't else. look back. Um, so I'm completely confused. So I'm, I'm talking with Bill, Bill, what, what, what happened here? What I do wrong and all, all sorts of things. And, and, you know, Bill's going, Mike, I, I don't know. I, I thought everything was going well. And, mm-hmm. you know, cause he knows you very well. He knew you back then very well. He knows both of us well. Yeah. He marries us later. Um, and, and so for three weeks, Nothing. Dead silence from you. And I remember it so vividly. Uh, It was a Wednesday evening. Mm -hmm. And again, this is day 21, a three-week fast of me fasting and praying out of sheer confusion. And again, I had told you I loved you and I meant it and was hurting and was confused and had lack of answers. And I'm praying, just praying to God going, what did I do wrong? I, I, why is she running the exact opposite direction of me? Lord, I, I need your guidance here. And I'm praying that for three weeks and I, I'm not getting much of anything from God. And so Wednesday evening service comes along and I, I pretty much at that point, and when I say I was fasting, I ate four meals over the course of three weeks. And I basically got to the point when, whenever I was about ready to pass out, I would go, okay, I got to eat a meal. 
Uh, and, and at the end of 21 days, that was going to be the fourth meal I had eaten. And in 21 days, this was extreme prayer and fasting. Mm. And I basically went to God and I said, God, uh, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and worship you tonight at, at Wednesday night service. And after service is over, I, I, I feel like I've done everything I can do. I'm going to break my fast and yeah, I'm, I'm going to move on. Um, and so I do. And so there's a restaurant at our, at our church that, mm. uh, after service, I just go and I walk up to the, to the, uh, hostess and I just say, hey, table for one, you know, just want to sit down and get something to eat. I'm absolutely starving. And she takes me and sits me down and three, four minutes <laughs> later, I get a table for one literally seated right next to me. Yes. And God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? I don't know if that is haha funny. I don't know that that's sense of humor, but there, it was clear that that was God ordained. Oh, for sure. For sure. So God sits us, both of us, and you, you have a very large circle of friends. <laughs> nobody wanted to go to church that, or not that they w didn't want to, but nobody wanted to stay for uh, dinner afterwards. Yeah. And you, <laughs> I even remember you telling me you had a hankering for, for one of the burgers at the grill. You had a hankering for a burger that day and you kept calling all your friends asking if anybody wanted to go join you for a burger. And everybody said, no, no, I, I remember you telling <laughs> me this. And, and so you, you get sat down at the chair, literally at the table right next yeah, to you. Yeah. We're me. facing each other. Yes. And I'm so like, I just kind of, my jaw literally is on the floor and I just kind of gesture, would you like to sit with me? Because we're both alone. And I thought, how awkward would it be if I didn't sit with him? <laughs> I'd literally be sitting across. We're sitting there looking, making, avoiding eye contact. It would have been so torturous. So I walked over and sat down. Begrudgingly next to this dangerous man <sighs> you see before you. Uh, so, so you come and sit down, but... All joking aside, by the end of the evening, it was very clear to me that you viewed me as a dangerous man. Uh, not, I don't know that I would say dangerous in the way like you ever felt physically threatened. No, I, mean, I didn't. I, don't... I felt emotionally like you could hurt me beyond anyone I ever knew. And and you made that very crystal clear uh, through the course of dinner uh, was that you needed to get as far away from me as you could. And and. So I, I had been praying for three weeks, praying and fasting to get some clarity on what the heck happened. And then you come along and sit down and get a burger and basically tell me that I'm a dangerous man. And you get up and you walk away and I'm just sitting there like with my head spinning going, God, what the heck was that about? I have never once in my life, women will describe me with a lot of words and none of them would be emotionally dangerous. Well, and I didn't even use the word emotionally dangerous. No, no, and you didn't. You, you did just say dangerous. Yes. And I think you were perplexed because the the realm of possibility that if dangerous just meant physical, I, I would never hurt this woman. I would never physically hurt this woman. It was the emotional capacity to hurt me because I saw a lot of potential and I thought if I cannot have something else come crashing down on me. So you get up and leave. Yes. And, and like a typical person who has survived trauma, there's a pocket in your brain where you just stuff things and you're done. 
you're just done. So as much as I would love to say that I was tortured and thought about you and I just, I put you in that silo in my brain and I walked away. Yeah, it literally. You, I did. you, you didn't even pay your part of the check. You literally just got up and walked out. I, yeah, I let you pay for my meal. You're right. Yeah. Tore out my heart and then. Yeah, you're going to buy my burger. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm not paying. I think I offered and you said no, but. No, I, honestly, I don't remember at this point. But so, okay. So you leave. We both leave the grill. Yes. And I am just speechless. And I, I'm going to God going, what the heck was that about? I don't get it. I, I. She says I'm dangerous. I've done nothing but serve and go to Bible study. <laughs> I don't, I haven't raised my, my voice towards you. N- nothing. I, I, so I am completely and utterly confused. Right. And so I, I, I had, at the beginning of the day, I told God I was going to end my fasting mm-hmm. that night at, at the grill and I was going to move on with life. But after this whole, clearly it was God ordained. Yes. I didn't know what the heck was happening, but clearly it was God-ordained moment. I said, okay, I, I got to fast and pray some more. Okay. And so it took three more days before I got an answer. So I'm fasting and praying for three days going, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. And on the third day, I get the answer, Deb is going to be your wife. Oh my gosh. After that, after that three days, I didn't realize it was that close in proximity to that moment. Yeah. So (laughs) you storm out of the restaurant, leaving me to foot the bill for a burger. Relax. Oh, come on. Wow. You just told me to relax. Okay. That's what the husband says to the wife. Don't use those words. Oh, the devil standard. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So you hightail it out of there. I'm fasting for three more days. And God says, this is going to be your wife. And I go, I, I, God, were you there? (laughs) Did you hear what she said to me? (laughs) She, she's not going to be my wife. She wants nothing at all to do with me. And God, the very first question God asks in the Bible this is how you know God knows what he's talking about. He asks Adam, where are you? Where are you? Right. It's right after Adam sins and he's hiding and he's got leaves and he, you know, and, and God asks Adam, where are you? And he's not asking physically, where are you? It's not like the GPS on Adam broke and God didn't know <laughs> where he was. He was asking a question to get Adam to think. Yeah. What happened to you, Adam? Where did you go? You were here right next to me, and now you're not. Something has changed. A redemptive question. Yes. And so God asks a really good question to me. He said, Michael, that's going to be your wife. And I go, what do you mean? She thinks I'm the most dangerous man on the planet, wants nothing to do with me. And flat out told me that to my face and walked away from me. And it's very clear that she is 100% determined that that's correct. And God asked the question, the dreaded question, do you trust me? You've been talking to Bill about trust with me. We're about to work on that. (sighs) Do you trust me? And I really, I, I didn't say yes. I said, 
I have a feeling I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. So yeah. Over the course now, now time frame to me, I, I don't remember number of days and so on and so forth. But the long and short of it, of my conversation back and forth with God was really, what what am I supposed to do? What do you, what do you mean? How are we going to work on trust? And he basically said, more or less, Mike, I need you to let Deborah go. And, and it, it's ironic because, you know, for people, there, there's probably some people out there listening to this right now that think, Mike, you're crazy. Who, who hears God and so on and so forth. This was not an audible voice. I remember one of the ways that, that God talked to me when, when, he, when, I, when he would say, Mike, I don't want you to even talk to her. And when my question was, why? He would give me a mental image of you, almost like people, uh, we live in Florida, people know what a hurricane looks like, what a hurricane feels like, so on and so forth. It, it was almost as if he gave me an image of you standing outside in the middle of a hurricane with all the wind and all the rain and everything whipping around you, mm. that you were just, it, the name of your class was Shelter from the Storm. And he kept giving me this mental image of you standing out in the middle of the storm and you had you were just it was so turbulent and he basically said mike this is deborah right now i need you to leave her alone and leave her with me yeah i need her to spend time with me and i want you to spend time with me and if you can do this and if you can follow my instructions and not talk to her and rely on me I'm going to work with her and I'm going to bring her back to you and you're both going to be happier and healthier than you've ever known. And I'm going to put you back to, I'm going to put you back together and you're going to be together for a reason. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Like this is, this, this is, this is a legit test. This is like, Holy smokes. I'm in the, the, the throes of it. And what he showed you was exactly what was happening. I was in a storm, a storm of my life, really. And, and the irony of it was, you know, everybody knows the, the, the end of the story. Obviously, we get back together. And I remember you even talking about how you were a little, you were a little cheesed off that I didn't even come fight for you. I, well, even though I didn't <laughs> want you, I wanted you to come fight me, like fight for me. Like who doesn't fight for someone yeah. they want? You want me so bad? Where are you? There's not a peep from you. And, you know and that the the reason for that was God yeah. told me not to. I, I had every intention to do that. I remember one particular night, I had a dead set. I was gonna. I, I'm I'm a processor, so I was sitting at at home processing everything. I said, God, I, I got to talk to her. I got to I got to talk to her. And I got to tell her a few things and, and so on and so forth. And my favorite thing to do was late at night. I lived on Oakland Park Boulevard. I would take it all the way east and it dead ends at the Atlantic Ocean. And I would go and I would park and I would walk to the beach and I would sit there and I would pray and I would meditate. And, and so I said, God, this is what I'm going to do. And I said, I'm going to go talk to her. I got I to gotta show her at least a little bit of fight. I don't know that I'm going to try and win her back, but I got, there's a few things I got to say to her. But I decide to go to the beach and pray about it. And so I do. And every time I start thinking about you, 
God just starts saying almost like spirit to spirit. Again, it's not an audible voice, right. but it is definitely crystal clear. He says three words, let her go. Every time my mind went to you and I would go to meditate on you, God would say, let her go. Let, and he would repeat it over and over and over again. Wow. Let her go, let her go. And then my mind would drift over to work or paying a bill. It would disappear. And then as soon as my mind went back to you, it was let her go, let her go. And I, when I was done at the beach, I knew that night when I got done at the beach, I was not supposed to contact you. And so you're sitting there a little cheesed off that I'm not fighting for you. And in reality, I was spiritually fighting for yes. you. I, it just wasn't in the way that you were expecting. And in reality, I think women think that's the way it's supposed to go because that's how it plays out in rom-coms and, and romance novels. The man is supposed to chase you. And it's really, even if you would have chased me, I would have said no because I really, I was so, I was so hardened. I was so not hardened in the sense that I was hardened about everything. I was, I wasn't going to take you back either way. So why would I want to put you through that? I was just in, you know, those typical things that you think as a woman that really need to be readdressed. Like, is this reality or is this what the culture tells me is reality? And even as a Christian, you can get swept away, swept away in that idea that a man is supposed to do this. And if he doesn't, then he doesn't love me. And in actuality, you were loving me in the way that God had commanded you to love me. And you were, you were fighting for me. And it took me a while to understand that once we got back together and you explained, I would have never thought that was the way it was supposed to go down. But I needed that time, and God knew that. He, he knew it for both of us. Because, again, I, I spiritually, I wasn't super mature. I, I was definitely on the right path. But I, I had a lot of work, again, I had a lot of work to do before I was ready to spiritually lead a household, especially for some with someone else as passionate about Jesus as you are. So another detour begins. And so we go our separate ways. God tells me, Mike, if you even reach out to her, you are going to delay this process and it's going to take me even longer to heal her. I don't want you talking to her. I don't want you texting her. I don't want anything. You leave her with me and that's it. And so along comes this detour that neither one of us knew what was going on. Yeah. I don't think we knew what was happening, but we're going to, we're going to probably get to us, you know, what, what was happening during our time apart. We'll get to that in the next episode there's, there's 18, 19, 20 months, something along that line. Yeah. There's at least a year and a half of dead silence away yep. from one another before God starts moving the chess pieces to bring us back together. Uh, but we're going to dive into all that next time. Uh, but it, yeah, you know, guys, if you're on a detour and, and you're just not understanding, I, I was so confused when, when God removed Deb from my life and I was having issues trusting God, hmm. it, it was at the forefront of my mind. And, and I don't know, I, I probably did some things right. And I did some things wrong. One of the things that I'll tell you that I did right was I was honest with myself and with my mentor, when I said, I don't trust that God is good. One of the things that 
I think a lot of people, myself still to this day included, is we oftentimes aren't honest with God. Right. And he knows it all anyway. We're not honest with ourselves. Right. First and foremost, if we can't even admit our own faults to ourselves, we're certainly not able to admit them to God, even though he already knows them. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if I can think of any other area in, in life in general, uh, that, that putting yourself first is ever a good idea, putting yourself before God in this one, just from this angle on this one thing. It makes God's life so much easier to talk with you and work with you if you can be honest with yourself and honest with him. And I was. And even though I was really wrong, God, I don't believe that you're good. That was my perspective at the time that this detour begins. And you weren't saying that out of anger or... No, it was It was was more of a humble, like, I... I, I don't kn- understand. Right. It, it was coming from a place of humility of just, I, I want to believe this to be true. I want to trust you. I just don't know how. And that that's the difference. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it was really something that I was wrestling. I was truly wrestling with that. Very honestly, not, yeah, like you said, not out of anger, out of sheer, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. We sing about it in church. A pastor talks about it. All my friends that are there at church, they all talk about it. I don't get it. And at least I got that right. I don't know how much else I got right, but at least I was able to be honest with God. And and that allowed he and I to, to kind of wrestle. And, and I think, you know, looking back at, at Jacob, I think God really does appreciate tenacity because he can handle it yes and i think that he loved that jacob kind of came after his heels a little bit and and pursued god tenaciously going i need you to bless me right i i i I, please please bless me and and my perspective was god I, i don't understand i don't get it everything i've seen you again all my major life events, my, my brother passing away relationship like, God, I don't get it. You're, you're supposed to be this all knowing, all loving God. And here I am doing everything right in a relationship with a woman that I love, that loves you so on and so forth. And I'm right back here at the starting gate, Mm -hmm. hurting and alone and wrestling with the same question of, are you good? And God says, do you trust me? And he, he gave me exactly the amount of time that I needed to wrestle with him. And at the very beginning, I was wrestling with a tremendous amount of energy. And he wrestled hmm. right back. And guess who started to break first? Gee. It wasn't him. <laughs> no. It wasn't him. I started running out of energy. And I think he was just getting started. Yeah. And um, so on the next podcast, we're going to talk about the 18 plus months that were away from one another, what God was doing in your life, what he was doing in my life. Mm-hmm. And then we'll close out the season with kind of our, you know, the, the happy ending. Yes. Uh, at least for this season of the podcast, it's the happy ending that is you and I getting back together and just the amazing story that that God uses, but, um, I'd like to invite people to go to the show notes. I want to give the, um, website for trees of hope, 
in the show notes, but if you're listening and you haven't made it to the notes, it's treesofhope.org. There is lots of opportunity for people to get help there. We have programs for teenage girls and boys, women and men. We have classes in Fort Lauderdale and Boca and Orlando and coming up Satellite Beach, but we also have an online opportunity to take classes. So I'm going to leave that for you in the show notes that you can investigate on your own time and see if it's the right fit for you. Yeah, that's that's become such a passion for you that, yeah, you're going to be leading a class uh, here in Satellite Beach, Florida uh, soon, and I'm sure there'll be more upcoming classes by the time this airs, that that class will be uh, in the rear view, rear view mirror, but we will be absolutely doing more. Yes. Uh, but check out the website. As you mentioned, they do offer online classes if you're, you know, listening and you're nowhere near Florida, but um, you can always contact the organization and they can refer you to a program closer to home if you, if you don't live in the South Florida area. Well, I think the program is is perfectly suitable for anyone living outside of state. They will recommend that you get counseling with someone in your state, but the curriculum itself is so thorough um, that I think, you know, I love for people to be in an environment where it's uh, a support group, but if you can't make it to a support group, the curriculum is biblically based and it covers an incredible amount of topics that are helpful for a survivor of sexual abuse. So yeah, we will leave that in the show notes for everyone, but I think this is a good place for us to leave off. So in the next episode, like we said, we will pick up on this detour, the beginning of the new detour that is a life apart from one another Mm -hmm. and She's not thinking about me. <laughs> I'm not. She's all I can think about. Oh, and I love you, that though. Way for uh, you know for quite some time, over a year and a half, but it's quite the story. So we hope you guys join us uh, again next time uh, for the rest of that story. But for now, my beautiful wife, thank you for joining and telling, uh, reliving our our story together. I love doing this with you. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. But the lex the uh, excuse me the next episode will be quite the doozy so we hope you guys can join (laughs) us and we will see you then thank you guys so much thanks for listening to detours for more content you can find us on spirit fm radio spotify Apple Podcast, Google Play, or on our website at detours.life. To view my writings or to contact me for public speaking engagements, visit my website at debmarcelisi.com.